This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Now, at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Hello, folks, and thank you, Scott, for the news and the weather and everything. So, ah, what a day. What a month. This is absolutely unbelievable. If you have any questions about your plant world, 314 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. And we'll be taking a good gardening stroll in a few seconds. Ooh, I stepped out of my car. Breezy, coolish, sun not up, but creating enough light for me to take my stroll. And here it is 7 in the morning, and it's still pretty darn dark. But anyway, there was planters with cannas and elephant ears and uh, cascading sweet potato vines and much more, visually softening the soft the sidewalk at Tucker and Market. City, <laughs> the city was absolutely <sighs> just nice. I mean, it was even with the breeze and the darkness and everything else, it was great. And uh, the city, the state, and the U.S. flags. We're waving hello to this morning. And one of the flagpoles was really uh, basically dedicated. There was a plaque that dedicated the flagpole to people who served in a wartime circumstance from 1898 to 2002. Whoa, I don't know. I mean, explain what war that was, but I don't remember. Obviously, I'm not quite that old. That were, <laughs> but anyway, the trees were giving some good fall colors. There's some uh, pear trees and maples. They were doing by far the best. The pear trees with their purplish color, and the maples were vibrant red. So that was kind of nice. Boxwood groupings, well, they were mingling with several types of varieties of ornamental grasses, and. Uh, this was a, there was a statue honoring police officers who gave their lives during duty. Oh, that was kind of sad to think that that was the circumstance, but it's nice to see that dedication there. There was a couple new trees that have been recently installed, and uh, they're filling in some cutouts. Wygelia was still blooming, giving color to the plaza. 
And this is the plaza in front of the Civil Courts building. So here it is, the third week of October. And my goodness gracious, this is absolutely unbelievable to think the temperatures are like this. Ah, just kind of, un, let's say, unreal. In the fall color, some of it's not going to probably be as spectacular, but I'll tell you what, the maples are ruling as far as giving some color. Ash trees, I haven't noticed. Usually they're you know kind of first, but I haven't noticed that many ash trees uh, with some good fall color yet. So it's... Uh, all kinds of stuff going on in the outdoors. And uh, this is a time of year where a lot of stuff that you can do now is going to make it a lot better for your plant material next year and obviously this year. But if, again, I am going to you know emphasize the fact that this is a perfect time to get a soil test done so you can find out what your ground is all about. And, you know, if you've been doing fertilizing, Maybe you should stop using the same fertilizer you're using because the soil test will indicate that there is extravagant levels as well as, you know, some nutrients that are lacking. So just, you know, kind of take your time and uh, get that thing done, and that way you can start 2024 with the right kind of attitude towards your plant material. Zoysas and grasses. Zoysas, the warm season grasses, they are, you know, starting to turn brown. So even though the temperature is still high, the days are getting shorter and shorter. Like I said, here it was 7 in the morning and it was still pretty darn dark. It's unbelievable. So I don't know, you know, what happened. But right now as I look out the window, we looked, we looked to the west. But, I mean, the sky has hardly any clouds of any. I can't see any at all. But it is so bright and so nice. It's a good time to get out and about. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after these messages. Yes, folks, we do have phone lines open, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We can talk about should you be pruning your trees, your uh, conifers, should you be pruning your deciduous trees, should you wait to transplant something until it's a little bit more dormant than it is right now, or is it dormant enough just due to the actual calendar as far as the daylight length and, you know, soil temperatures are still pretty warm. So a uh, neighbor of mine, Tom, who is a fireman in the, the city, he's a captain, he always comes over and asks me questions. And uh, he was asking me the other day if it's too late to be putting sod down. And I said, well, the only problem, well, first of all, I said, I've, I was bringing stuff in out of the car, and it was. Uh, I said I got some frozen stuff in here, so I got to get to the inside pretty quick. But in reality, if you can find some sod, that's going to be a problem more so than anything else. You can. The ground is still warm enough that the sod should be able to establish itself uh, before we would have any kind of, in theory, 
you know, severely cold temperatures. But seeding with grass seed, your cool season types, we're really kind of at the very, very end. So you're really taking a big chance on uh, doing something along that line. So I would say stay away from the seed unless you have the seed yourself right now, bags, rather than holding on to it, I'd go ahead and just, you know, spread it around. Is it too late to do a core aeration? No, it's not too late. Is it too late to spread some compost? No, it's not too late to do that. Is it too early? Well, we're right on the beginning of time to be planting tulip bulbs. And your daffodils, crocus, and things like that are, uh, you can get those planted. You could have planted them a little bit earlier. But I'll tell you something that's really spectacular right now. There's actually a type of crocus that has a bluish color flower to it, and it's a fall-blooming crocus. And there's some in the park right across the street from us, and then uh, some people two or three houses down, Bob and Lori, they've got uh, crocus in their front yard. So it's kind of nice to see something along that line blooming this time of year. Uh, Can you transplant deciduous trees? Well, you're probably better off to wait until, even though it's, you know, the season's winding down, definitely, until the leaves drop off entirely. So keep that in mind. If you want to have some bulbs blooming inside during the wintertime, yes, you can plant those. So whether it's daffodils, crocus, grape hyacinths, or anything, just uh, put them in a pot with potting mix, not potting soil, Place them in a cool, dark area for about eight weeks or so. And then keep them damp but not overly wet because you don't want them to rot. And then after six to eight weeks, then you can bring them out, put them in a sunny location, and that will germinate or generate some new growth from that that situation. So it's really kind of easy to do that. Also, if you are... Thinking about uh, amaryllis, and you have them, and you've been growing your amaryllis. You got, let's say, one last year. It's got the foliage right now, and what you need to do is go ahead and just cut the foliage off, leave about a one-inch stub above the bulb, and then just you know put it in a dark location, cool location, and let it go dormant for you know again like six or eight weeks or so. So keep that in mind. In your lawn, as I said before, no, putting the seed down. Uh, we're past the 15th, so it's a little bit tough. Controlling broadleaf weeds with herbicides. Uh, you've got uh, you're really at the end of the you know end of the time for that. I did spray some uh, herbicides the other day. I haven't. Didn't get a chance because it was so dark when I left this morning to see if they if they were knocked down by the uh, herbicide. I put some on some broadleaf weeds that I have, and then I used some Roundup on some weeds that are growing out in the street, and I want to see how effective, if it is still effective at all. Just watch out. This is the time of year where if you have trees or you live across, we have trees and we live across from a park, the leaves are going to get thicker and thicker and thicker, and that could cause some problems for your lawns. So, and then you're going to be probably finishing mowing, at least with your zoysia. You want to set your mower about uh, huh, 
two and a half to three inches, then you can make your final cut probably. It's not there's probably not gonna be too much more growth with that. But your cool season fescues and bluegrasses, they're still gonna be growing quite a bit. So you don't put your mowers away yet if you have a cool season lawn. Uh how about planting new trees from uh, garden centers and things like that? Yes, you can still do that. You've got woody plant material. You've got plenty of time to do that. Uh, herbaceous perennials, hmm, where, again, we just, you know, you can't predict what the weather is going to do. So you just uh, you take a chance, but it might be worth it to, to go ahead, and if you can get a good deal on some of the uh, the perennials that you like, and uh, go ahead and, you know, install them because you might get a better price this time of year. But just realize that they may not be able to survive. And this year, I think I have never seen the mums look so spectacular. And so many people buying the mums, big, huge ones. I don't know where in the world, you know, the nurseries are really doing a good job with uh, getting those things really looking nice. So it's good to see that. So, again, the root system of the perennials to make sure that they can get established, get them in the ground as soon as you possibly can. Uh, as I said, probably you're better off with uh, the weed control if you've only got a few weeds to go ahead and just hand dig them as opposed to using the herbicide, but uh, give the herbicide a try if you like. Getting your cannas and your elephant ears and things like that Go ahead and uh, start, uh, let's say, harvesting them. So in other words, pulling them up out of the pot or out of the ground and uh, shaking the soil off of them or, or the potting mix off of them and then let them dry and then put them in a paper bag for the winter time. You can leave them in the garage. You know, my garage, the coldest it gets is probably like... Uh, maybe 30 degrees, and that's when it's severely cold outside, but the, that's when they're protected. Even just in a paper bag, they seem to be able to survive. And then I'm going to stick some more into the ground of my cannas and elephant ears, and uh, they've done pretty well for the last couple of years just having them stay outside. So let's go now over to Guy's yard. Hi, Guy. Uh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, we're planting some uh, boxwoods and some andinas in a new construction bed. Um, do we need to put any kind of uh, miracle grow or anything around those after we plant those now? No, no fertilizer this time of year whatsoever. So okay. just just make sure you you know you get the soil prepared, and as I always say, make sure you dig the hole three times the diameter of the root ball, but only about 80% is deep. So in other words, the top of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. And right. then uh, two to three inches of mulch. Okay. Very good. Appreciate it. Yep. My pleasure. Yeah. it's uh, you, t you take a little bit of a chance, but uh, it's kind of fun to, you know, do some planting. So Nandina, that's a heavenly bamboo. It's not technically or it's not really a bamboo, but it's a neat shrub that grows relatively small, so it takes a little pruning. And boxwood, depending upon the variety, there's two or three major types of boxwood. The big division between the boxwood is there's little leaf boxwood and then, uh, let's say, normal size leaf boxwood. 
I have a little leaf boxwood in the bed that runs along between my uh, garage and the alley, and it has been unbelievably tough and durable. I mean, it's like it's exposed to the east, and there is a little bit of shade due to you know trees in the garage across the alley and things like that. But uh, I've got it elevated. I got some. Uh, some boards that I have an elevated bed in part of this area, and then the rest of it's surrounded by purple cone flowers. And this, you know, this time of year, the boxwood really look very, very good. The purple cone flowers, I've cut them off. I always just cut and drop, let the seed heads just drop and see what's, you know, see what's going to happen. But uh, with, you know, the cone flowers, uh, the foliage pretty much uh, green for the entire wintertime. So that's really a little bit of a surprise in and of itself. Other things in my yard that I've been doing, the advice a lot of times said wait until the frost sort of, you know, does some damage to your uh, cool or your warm season bulbs, your summer bulbs, your cannas and elephant ears and things along that line and caladiums, but I just, you know, I don't like to do it after they start getting a little bit, of, let's say, frosted. So I've been uh, removing some of mine from my pots and moving some of the pots inside, dumping some of the pots and just kind of because I want to just see what uh, what happens as far as dumping it into holes so to see how well they're going to do as far as survival. And uh, other things that you need to be thinking about, just it is really super dry. So I spent last Wednesday, or I guess it was, was it last, let's see, maybe it was last Saturday. Hmm, I can't remember exactly what day. Oh, it was Wednesday, that's true. But uh, I spent a couple hours watering because things were so dry. I've got some sedums, and the sedum acre, which is yellow-flowered sedum, that blooms in May, the foliage was, when it starts losing its, let's say, greenness and gets paler and paler and paler, I know that that's because the ground is really dry. And usually this time of year, that's not a problem whatsoever, but this year it has been, so that's why I watered uh, the sedums as well as other plant materials too. But the sedum I have between the sidewalk and street and that's, you know, it's kind of a hot spot as far as the pavement and everything and the sidewalk warming up. But that plus the, just the lack of rain, so, I mean, they were really, the sedum was not looking good. It was looking like, oh, gosh. So, like I said, I just, uh, sometimes I just take a, a lawn chair out and sit and just water, sit there and water things so I can really soak it well because as, if you're going to water... Don't just water for, you know, I water, I don't want to say infrequently, but yes, infrequently. And so I water so they, you know, penetrates deep into the ground. If you have an irrigation system, don't turn it off yet. It's too early to turn it off. And just, you know, keep, you know, watering. Don't water for short periods of time, even if you're going to do it every day, because that doesn't penetrate into the ground. So it won't really help the root system. So we do have, again, phone lines open, 
436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch's sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee, plus 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com code odyssey. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. I'd like to be under the sea in an octopus's garden in the shade. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 with any of your questions, comments, or concerns. Your houseplants. Make sure you're going to get them inside pretty soon so they don't get any kind of cold damage at all. Though, with the way Scott was saying the weather, at least this whole week is going to be not even close to getting frosty. So, But just get them inside so they can get acclimated to the you know, circumstance of the light and everything else. It's going to be a little bit easier if you get them in ASAP as opposed to you know later on, even though... The temperatures might be okay. The, di- the the amount of daylight and light and everything else is diminishing. So bring in your tropicals. But check them out first because there is some insect problems in your potting mixes possibly on the plant stems and leaves. Get that all taken care of before you bring them inside because inside – those kind of problems can even get worse and worse and worse than they were outside because outside the weather, the wind and everything else can kind of certain things can be blown away. Other things not. But, you know, speaking of that, not necessarily related to the, you know, your houseplants or your tropicals or anything like along that line. But I've got a mugo pine and I've got really some thick, you know, spider web circumstances. So I just go out, to, you know, whenever I'm out in the yard and just kind of pull those spider webs down. They're not spider mites, they're just spider webs, but it's really, 
the amount of them, I don't know if it's because of the location or anything else, but uh, weather-wise, it just seems like this year there's more more of the, let's say, the big clusters of uh, spider webbing than there usually is. And uh, it's nice to see the hummingbirds. I saw a few this past week, but I don't think there's going to be any more beyond that point. A few monarch butterflies, too, are still, you know, whizzing by. But this is a good time to start feeding your birds, you know, and that way you can get them used to coming into your landscape for their seed and everything else because that's, you know, as time goes on, it's going to be, uh, the birds are going to go, where can I go get something to eat? Well, let's head over to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Yes, uh, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Um, uh, our uh, walnuts were so um, <clears throat> heavy on the black walnut trees this uh, year that they broke off several limbs, uh, maybe a foot or so from the from the trunk. And I was wondering when would be a good time to prune those off. I the would fall say, or spring. No, I would say go ahead and cut them off now. Okay, you know, very as, good. As soon as you as you, and then leave about a you know a quarter to a half inch stub. Mm-hmm. And the reason right. why you want to do it now is because moisture can get into, you know, an open wound like that because of its, you know, it's broken and shredded and moisture can get in and cause, a, you know, a rotting circumstance where if you make a nice clean cut with, you know, a saw, blah, 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 whatever, and uh, then that gives a cambium layer you know, a better chance to start the healing process, which is not going to, you know, cover the wound by, you know, for a couple of years entirely, but at least it's going to not be frayed where it's going to, let's say, collect moisture. Okay, I'll I'll do that uh, as soon as possible then. And then I have a, another question. I have uh, several, I guess, they're um, kind of violets that are... That are um, Kind of invasive in my yard. How can how can I get rid of those besides just pulling them out? Because it seems like the the sprays haven't worked too well. Yeah, that violets are very very tough. So uh, either just kind of live with them, or just I would continue just to hand dig them. Because I mean, Roundup will kill them, but also Roundup will kill anything that it gets onto. But what you can do is take Roundup and just have it like in a a jar and just paint it onto the violets. That way it won't have any kind of drift from a spray that would damage any of the plant material that are around the violets. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you much. And yep. enjoy these uh, beautiful fall days. Yes, absolutely. And let's go to Terica. Terica. Oh, sorry, Teresa. <laughs> oh, good morning, Mike. Um, I brought in my hibiscus, and I have a grow light. And now I notice that uh, every day several leaves have turned yellow. Am I watering it too much, not enough? Or? No, that's just what hibiscus do. Okay. So All it's right. unfortunate. It's- I mean, they are tropical slash house plants, but... When you bring them inside, they are going to drop a whole lot of leaves. But it's still blooming. 
Right. It's beautiful. I have like four blooms uh, a day, and they last longer because they're not out in the heat. Uh, Mike, my second question is uh, late summer or midsummer, um, I found bagworms on uh, one of my um, shrubs. Uh, and I took them all off and drowned them and whatever. Uh, do you think uh, that might survive, uh, or do you think it's uh, going to be a go- my shrub's going to be a goner? No, it should survive. You know, okay, especially because probably when you pulled them off, you know, they were just <laughs> eggs were in the uh, sack. The female had already died, so you got them off before. What would happen is if you left them on there. Then next year, as the weather warmed up, those eggs would hatch, and then they would, you know, however many eggs were in each individual bag, that's, you're just going to multiply the, you know, the potential problem. Okay. Well, thank you so much. And um, thank you for all your information, and you have a good life. (laughs) Well, thank you very much. (laughs) Yeah, we had uh, Fitzer Junipers when... um, my parents moved from the city of St. Louis by the Botanical Garden uh, out to Ellisville. That was part of the foundation plantings was Fitzers. And we had, unfortunately, bagworms on those. And my father would give us a penny for each bagworm. And, I mean, a penny, but way back in the you know, mid-50s, was a whole lot of money for a kid. But it was surprising how many bagworms we had on those. So to me, what happened, you know, now that I know how the whole system works, they had to come from the nursery that planted them because uh, this was a you know new home. So they had to have the bagworms on them when they brought them in because there would be no way for them to get, you know, to come in and be that many on one, you know, on the Fitzer's at that young of an age circumstance as far as time that they had been planted. Uh, Let's head over to Jill's yard. Hi, Jill. Hey there. I have a couple of questions about clematis. Okay. First of all, do I need to uh, cut it back to the ground now or just leave it in a big tangle for the winter? (laughs) Well, if you like tangles, you can leave it. (laughs) Okay. I didn't know if that would cause mold or, I don't know, trouble. No, I shouldn't. Okay, and then would I cut it back to the ground in the spring, or do you just kind of let it keep growing? Well, how long? You know, how long has it been in the ground? Uh, maybe five years. Uh, I would probably go ahead and just leave it. Okay, I usually cut it back, and I notice my neighbors seem to leave theirs, and it seems like they're right. be better. Okay, so good. the first, so- you know, first three or four years, you should just cut them back. But uh, oh. once they get uh, you know, a well-established root system then I would say just leave it. And you can cut oh. off anything that doesn't leaf out in the spring. Well, that's great. That's great news. Okay, my second question is about the trellis. I have one of those inexpensive wire trellises that you just poke in the ground. And every year I have problems with, I thought it was a an insect maybe eating some of the vines at the ground because certain vines would die all the way up and others wouldn't. But now I'm wondering if it's my cheap trellis and maybe after wind and it wiggles a lot, maybe it's breaking some of the vines off at the ground. Do you have any thoughts about proper trellising? Yes. I mean, good, strong, durable trellises are would be to the advantage for sure. Because yeah. if it is too weak, because, I mean, we've had some pretty you know, strong winds 
and it can do some damage. Generally, that's not going to be the case, though. So mm. it's okay. not to say it didn't happen because of the you know the wind slash trellis style, but yeah. you know it could have. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Yep. My pleasure. And remember, your clematis likes an alkaline soil, so uh, doesn't hurt to every couple of years add a little bit of lime around the base just to keep the soil pH a little bit uh, on the uh, alkaline side, salty side, versus the vinegar side, which would be the acidic. Let's go over to Dee Dee's yard now. Hi, Dee Dee. Hello. Hi. Uh, I had somebody to mow my lawn, and the tulips was just starting to come up, and I didn't know they were... And they mowed it all down, and I wanted to know what I can do. Will it? Will they bloom next year? And also, I want to know something about poppies. Uh, I like poppies, and where can I buy the seeds? seeds so, yeah, the seeds should you be tell available. Me that? Yeah, seeds should be available. Not necessarily at uh, every place that sells, you know. You know, flower seeds, but uh, maybe the best place to you know to find them, if there's particular varieties of poppies you want, is to go online and just order them and have them delivered. And then, as far as the tulips, I'm surprised your tulips were coming up because it's, I mean, it's really odd to see them coming up this time of year. So hopefully, they you know. If they cut the foliage, they just, you know, cut the tips, and the foliage is going to go dormant when it gets cold anyway. So you're just going to have to kind of keep your fingers crossed. And usually tulips are not planted in lawns, so, you know, for them to mow where the tulips are, usually, you know, tulips are put into uh, bed spaces. That's not to say that you have to do it that way. But I would say there's not too much you can do related to that. So uh, good luck with that, Dee Dee. And like I say, you're probably better off with the poppies because they are kind of, on, you know, there's several different varieties. If you got specific types, just go online and find out, uh, you know, what, you know, and just – order them that way or just you're going to have to wait until next spring and go to a year-round garden center versus a big big box store as far as the seeds go. And you can get the plants. I mean, sometimes some of the nurseries will have, uh, you know, poppy plants. Let's see. Well, why don't we go ahead and take a break? And when we get back from break, we'll be talking to Ron. So 314 314- Four three six seven nine hundred or one eight hundred nine two five eleven twenty. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the Voice of St. Louis KMOX. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go, and let's head over to Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Mike, uh, I have a uh, section of grass between the street and the sidewalk that runs along the street. That it's a cool season grass fescue. And I fertilized it in the spring, and it was doing fine most of the summer. It was nice and green. 
but then all of a sudden it starts getting like brown patches in it uh, here and there. And I thought maybe being along the street there that it was from a dog or something. But then I start getting more brown patches. And now um, the thing is that whole section is pretty much brown, the whole thing. Woo. I don't know what went wrong. And a couple of weeks ago, I thought, well, maybe it's needed more fertilizer. So I, I put some fertilizer on it because it's already brown and um, watered it. But nothing seems to have changed. Uh, do I just need to keep watering a lot to try to get it to come back? Or is there some kind of disease or something that uh, could be involved? Yeah, it could be related to... You know, our crazy weather, it could be drought stress, you know, a circumstance. And it could have, you know, been related to that where you could get, uh, if you were doing some additional watering, that if there was related to maybe fungus, then when people walked on it or you walked on it or anything or a dog walked on it, they could spread that fungus around on the bottom of shoes and bottom of paws and things along that line. So, if the whole area is brown, you know, you're kind of on the cusp of where you may end up having to do some overseeding next, you know, next spring. We're right at the end of the, lot, the time to get, you know, put grass seed down. If you wanted to try some grass seed to see, break the area first very well and then go ahead and put the grass seed down, I like I said, mid-October is the latest you can put grass seed down and have it germinate, have it get a root system established because we don't know when we're going to have a severe cold snap. And that's would any kind of newly germinated seed could be killed off. So you yeah, I heard you just say that about the seed. Pardon um, me? I said I, I did hear you say that earlier about it's almost too late to put down seed. Right. Uh, is there any chance that if I water that a lot, that, that it would come back? Not necessarily. I mean, it could, but overwatering can cause more problems than, you know, not watering. I mean, it is very dry. So that's, mm -hmm. you know, what I was talking about, too. That's why I spent so much time the other day watering. You know, and this was, for, you know, because of sedum, not grass seed. But my guess is it's related to the weather and the drought circumstance. And do you think in between, down, I put some fertilizer down a few weeks ago, do you think that helped or hurt any, at all? No, that doesn't help. If, you know, things are brown, it doesn't help just to fertilize because the plants are not healthy. They can't absorb the nutrients, especially if the root system is uh, not vibrant and healthy, then the fertilizer is not doing anything. If anything, it could be doing you know, some, let's say, bad stuff to it. By this time of year, there I'll, I'll see some, usually some maybe some grabgrass coming in with the fescue, but even that, there's, <laughs> that, that usually survives anything, but it's not, even I don't see any crabgrass in, in the oh, brown really? at all. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that spot. Uh, you might consider, uh, you know, it's... You know, just raking it really well and just kind of leaving it alone for the winter time, as much as you don't want to have that, you know, situation. And then think about uh, doing some seeding in the springtime or getting some sod. 
Yes, I was thinking about that because the ground is pretty bad. I mean, the ground in my area is a lot of rock and everything mixed oh. in, and and um, it's it's. I don't know what you can really do with it because you can't only even get a shovel in it. Oh my goodness! Yeah, so yeah. that's you know some tough stuff. So if you've had success with uh, you know it being green in the historically, you've been very lucky. Let's put it that way. Right. It was doing fine uh, earlier in the summer, but all of a sudden it just started, like I say, getting these brown spots in, and those brown spots kept spreading out more, and finally the whole thing is brown. Right. So Okay. Uh, I guess it's all I can do is try to work on it in the sp- spring then. I, I was going to put some water on it, go out and use a soaker hose on it and really soak it down to see if I could get any kind of stimulation of the what's left of it or because usually the grass goes dormant in the in the during the winter anyway and kind of turns brown and comes out is able to come out in the spring and i would think with the warm weather uh patch we're, we're like today and that maybe that might help stimulate it or something I don't well know. you've got a cool season grass and you know i mean the, the temperatures are not adverse to a cool season grass but Usually in the summertime, that's when they go more dormant. And then in the fall slash winter and spring, that's when they are most vibrant. So, well, just good luck with that. That's a tough spot. So, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We'll be back after the news. On the seabed, an Thank you, Scott. And this is the second hour of the Garden Hotline, which is the tip of the trowel. Special on-air recognition for individual group or situation that's made an impression on me during the past week. And it's brought to you by St. Louis Composting. Right now, though, if you have any ideas, questions, concerns, or comments related to your plant world, whether it's plants inside your house or outside in the yard slash landscape, you can give us a call, 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Then we can talk about it. Tip of the trial goes out to Eckert's. Yes, Eckert's. Tracy and I were at Eckert's. And uh, guess what? Ran into Angie Eckert. She's one of the big wheels at Eckert's Garden Center. Eckert's Orchards. I mean, this place is absolutely unbelievable. And Angie, she, we we stop by there, oh, every so often. She's always in the store working and everything else. But what she did, she informed us that there is a, an organization called the Midwest Apple Improvement Association, and it is a group of people that have put together hybridizing special apple trees for the Midwest. Because if you notice, most of the apples and things like that that we have that are grown, (laughs) that are in retail stores and locations, are not from the Midwest. They're from, like, Washington and various states, like, along those type of lines. But these new varieties, one of them is Rosalie, and that's a very tart apple. We got a couple of those. Tracy was surprised because she really likes some tart, you know, 
tart things, and she really liked us a lot. So the Midwest Apple Improvement Association. There's three different varieties that Eckert's have that are new hybrids that have been developed just for the Midwest. So it was, like I said before, we enjoyed our time at Eckert's. (laughs) Some of the pumpkins that they had for sale were absolutely huge. It was, uh, I can't believe how big they were. And just, I mean, the, the retail store and everything else, plus all of, it's just, it's a neat place to go. So it's over there, uh, off, I think, 159 or 157, one of those, you know, one of those kind of roads. I forget what. Anyway, you can just go online and find it. But uh, so thanks to Angie Eckert and Eckert's and all the employees and everybody else. So, And as I said before, the Midwest Apple Improvement Association. So we can have some local apples. Oh, and thanks for inviting me onto your show where discussions can range from making plant selections for a special location, how to care for those plants, and how to think about mature sizes. And how about your annuals? Annuals are still really looking, I mean, kind of good. And your your summer bulbs are probably still okay. They're going to head start heading downhill kind of quickly. Your herbs, my rosemary really looks good. I'm going to, you know, I leave it in a pot, and I usually do that every winter time. and just, um, I say half the winters, it makes it through the wintertime okay, and then the other half, then I have to get a new one in the springtime. How about your evergreen or herbaceous ground covers, your perennials, all those cascading houseplants? What should you do? How come some of the leaves are turning? Blah, blah, blah. What's going on? Should you be pruning your roses back this time of year? How about uh, is there a particular type of evergreen that's going to make a better screen than other ones will? Well, I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path for you to take to achieve success, but strictly offered for you to consider. As I said, also, as I say, a very important member of the team is Drew. Drew's producing. He answers the phone, and then he will push all the buttons while enables me to answer your phone call. I'm Mike Miller, hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994. And besides the Saturday morning get-together, I can come out to your plant world for an on-site consultation which I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com, and the homepage is my email address and phone number. And as I said before, the today's tip of the trowel, which is Eckert's Garden Center, Nursery, Orchards. <laughs> as you approach you know, Eckert's, you just see all these giant rows of fruit trees. Uh, it's just absolutely striking. And as again brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636 861 3344. So if you do have any questions or concerns, 314 436 7900 or 1 800 925 1120. Let's go ahead and get a call in before we go to break. Let's go to Jim's yard. Hi, Jim. Hi, Mike. We are considering putting down some flagstone stepping stones. They're randomly shaped and about two square feet 
average in size, and we want to put them out under a section of the sycamore tree. Um, and we're idea is to leave about three inches in between each for grass to grow and to allow water to continue to get to the roots of that sycamore tree. It would cover about 15% of the drip line. Should we be concerned? No. <laughs> the only concern I'd have is your, your the ability to have any kind of grass to grow in between because I would think there's probably not a whole lot of grass growing there right now. And so there's uh, the, the chances of getting it to grow in between the stepping stones is going to be reduced a little bit, but it's not going to make that much difference. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. And let's see. Where should we go now? Hmm. Let's see what's going on in Janet's yard. Hi, Janet. Good morning. Good this morning. Is Jeanette. Oh, Hi, Jeanette. Honest. Sorry. Okay. That's okay. Um, I had some, a question about coleus plants. I have them in pots, um, and they started out really small, and they're huge now. Right. And I was wondering if I brought them in, if they would survive. I've never had coleus this big before. Usually they were in the ground. So I was wondering how to take care of them, if they'll survive the winter. Uh, not so good. I mean, aesthetic, they'll live, but the aesthetic value will go down even if you have them in a bright, sunny window. So I, have they started to flower? Oh, they did everything. So they, they're they they're just huge right now. Um, I'm not sure if they, they flowered over the summer. Right. And they usually, you know, the flowering will sort of, you know, sit them downhill. But I guess with our weather and everything else and the care that you gave them, they, you know, have survived. But bringing them inside, uh, just realize that it, a lot of the lower leaves are going to be dropped. or They won't drop. They'll just wilt. And then you'll have leaves at the end of the stem. But uh, they're not going to look anything like they do now. So just um, just get new ones next, next spring? Yeah, that would be. Okay. I mean, you could try, you know. I don't know how many pots that you have, but you can try to bring them in and see what you think. But uh, they usually just don't like the inside. Okay, great. Yeah, like I said, I've never had them inside before, and I thought, well, they're huge and they're beautiful. Right. So they have been right. striking this year. Yeah, they, I couldn't believe they were little bitty plants to start, and now they're huge. <laughs> so. So, all right. Well, thank you for your help. Sure, my pleasure. 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Yes, folks, back to the phones we go. Let's head over to Ken's yard. Hi, Ken. Good morning, Mike. Enjoy your show. Well, thank you. Got a good, uh, got a difficult question for my mind anyway we have an old swing set and we we planted some shrubs shrubs around it uh years ago to attract uh hummingbirds and things like that uh turns out it's invasive and it's spreading all over our yard and uh we have an asparagus patch not too far away from it and it's uh <laughs> there's a good bit of this invasive species in our asparagus patch, and I'd like to know how to get rid of it without killing the asparagus. 
Ooh. <laughs> that could be tough. It sounds like you got uh, red honey, red trumpet honeysuckle. That could be. And uh, that is going to be tough to get it out of there other than going in there you know, by hand and digging it out. There's not really too much that's going to be selectively be able to take care of that without impacting your asparagus. Okay. Well, something I, th- I thought about, and the asparagus is going dormant now, I was going to cut the asparagus out totally and then cut it down to the ground and then uh, take a weed wiper and and uh, wipe the uh, this invasive stuff with uh, Roundup Roundup for woody plants or whatever they call it. Uh huh. Basically, the one that kills poison ivy. Well, you could give that a try, but the effectiveness again, you know, of the herbicide this time of year is going to be diminished too because all the plants are going to sleep, even though. That's this great. is a broadleaf evergreen. Uh, if this is a red trumpet honeysuckle, give it a try, but uh, don't expect it to be. It definitely will not be a hundred percent effective. If you can get half of it killed off, I would think you'd be lucky. Okay, now that's not going to kill a, kill the asparagus. It shouldn't if you're not getting onto any of the foliage or anything. So Roundup okay. deactivates when it hits the ground or gets into the ground or whatever, so it it doesn't have any residual effect. Okay, great. Thank you, sir. Yep, good luck with that, and let's go to Laura's yard. Hi, Laura. Hi, good morning. I love listening to your show, Mike. I love it when I'm in the car on Saturdays and you're on. It makes my day. <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, so uh, here's my deal. I have about 100 boxwood plants that line my circle driveway and so forth, and they make a beautiful wall. But they got these little pieces that have, you know, spiked and grown. And I'd love to cut them off, but I read that I shouldn't cut them off. Uh, can I still cut them off this time of year? Now you're cutting them off just to get rid of them? Just just to get rid of those little pieces that have grown up. Yeah. So I would say certainly go ahead and do it. Okay. Okay, because then it'll make it nice and smooth again because it looks like a pretty wall, but now it looks like a pretty wall with these little spike things coming up. <laughs> well, it just has more <laughs> texture. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's okay to cut the little spiky pieces that have grown up out of it. Yeah, as long as it's not, uh, you know, you just have to be careful, I mean, with any kind of broadleaf that, uh, you know, doing any kind of pruning as we go into wintertime. Uh, yeah. Those, um, what you're cutting off is a little bit more... Uh, let's say, acclimated to to the weather as the weather changes. And so the exposing some of the leaves now, since you've done some pruning, even though those leaves at one time were at the end of the branches, if we get a cold snap really early, then you could get a lot of brown foliage. Yeah, that's what I was worried about. I just, but but I, it looked so much better if I could just, that new little growth that just popped up, if I could just nip that off, it right. would make it look better. So just okay, uh, but, you just it's gonna you're just taking a chance by doing it. Let's put it that way. From an aesthetic okay. standpoint, it's not gonna kill the boxwood by any means, but aesthetics yeah. because this past year, in the springtime, what happened is some people did pruning or even ones that did not do pruning because we had that cold snap in mm-hmm. the late fall, and it did some major damage. You know, from an aesthetic standpoint. Yeah, yeah, and mine seemed to pull through okay through all that. So I was I was real fortunate with that. 
but I, I just thought, man, I would love to make them look all smooth and pretty, <laughs> but, but I don't, I don't want to hurt them. Right. So, so should I wait? I, I, now I know, know what you're saying. I should wait or, or go ahead and do it. Well, it's, if you go ahead, maybe just do part of them and uh, see what happens. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, it's just, it's just, you're just taking a chance because we just don't yeah. know what the weather's going to be like. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, am I taking a chance that it's going to be too cold? Is that it? And then it'll Yeah, hurt a it, cold or? snap and then... Then you're going to have brown. Then the ends of the branches are all going to be brown for next spring until it pushes out the new growth later on. But it will turn green again next year if it goes brown. It should, yes. It should. Okay. All right. Well, thanks for your help. Have a good day. And now let's go over to Bob's yard. Hi, Bob. Hello, Bobby. What he's there? putting in the flagstone is that that I've done that several years ago, where I made a patio using the various pieces of flagstone, and then filled in with pea gravel between them. Well, we planted something called mazes, and it's a small ground cover. Is that and it's like a steppable, so is that it actually has a very shallow root, but it does fill in within the pea gravel, and it really creates a very nice effect. And even if it grows over the stepping stones, is that I usually take like a weed whacker, just kind of go over the stone itself and kind of keep it so that it's in those veins. But uh, it's a very easy plant to grow. Uh, it does require a little bit of water when it's getting nice and dry, but it, it just fills in between those pe- stepping stones. Well, that's, you know, that's, thanks for the thought because that is a good idea. And yeah, so, it really works well. And, and matter of fact is that I've extended the patio by using those stepping stones to go right around the side of our house and create a sidewalk. And we've been adding the mazes in there is that uh, my wife digs it out and she kind of puts it in spots and it will spread. So that's kind of a nice thing about it. Right. Well, that sounds good. Uh, you know, the only difference is, you know, this is going to be underneath a sycamore tree. So we've got... Uh, the root system of the sycamore and things along that line, but it would be certainly worth a try. Well, ours is underneath a maple tree, and you know really? the way the surface of the maples, ah. how they really put out those surface roots. This actually does very well even within that it's because it has such a shallow root system. Right. It is very you know, shallow. So, well, great. Well, thanks All right, for thank the, you, Mike. Yeah, thanks for the insight. All right, sir. Bye. Let's see ya. And now let's go to Gina's yard. Hi, Gina. Hey, good morning, Mike. Uh, enjoy your show. I have a question. I have a rural piece of property that has probably five or six-year-old maple saplings that are about six to eight feet long, tall. Um, what is the success rate of digging those up and transplanting them to various areas throughout my yard? You should be. I mean... So relocating them from uh, a, a site beyond your yard, correct? Or is yes, it? that is correct. Like they're just growing wild out there, and they're getting tall. And I was like, well, that's a nice size to, you know, maybe transport to somewhere else to where there's a cluster of five or six. Right. I would say if I was going to do it, I would dig them up. You know, and do it, uh, probably don't want to do it in the fall. This is a good time to do it once the foliage has fallen off. And I'd put them into a pot and then sink the pot into the into the ground and then relocate them in the springtime. 
oh, okay, okay. That was my next question, when and, and how. So, yeah. um, okay, so go ahead. So, but keep them outside in that pot? Yes, definitely. And just okay. dig a hole and drop the pot down into a hole. And the reason why I'm saying do that, because that way in the springtime, when they start leafing out, you'll know that they're still alive and then you can, you know, move them into, you know, your yard versus, you know, the rural area where they're actually growing. Because right. if, if you just dug them up and tried to bare root them and bring them in, that's, you know, the chance of success is going to be, let's say, less than good. Okay. Um, does that hold true for any sapling that I would find, like, a, um, is it a mimosa? Is that the one with the little... Uh, Pink flowers. Yes. Right. Uh, what is the success rate of transplanting? Is that same same as this? Right. They're all okay. going to be, you know, any kind of woody plant material that you're digging up. I just like to sort of transition them from, you know, the ground into a pot so you just have better control on moisture and things like that, and then you can, you know, move them a lot easier. Sure. Okay, perfect. Well, I appreciate um, your answer this morning. It's going to... I uh, have a little work ahead of me, but I'm looking forward to see what they do next spring. Yeah, sounds good. All right, thank you. Yep. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have some phone lines open. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with Mike Miller on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. We're headed over to to Don's yard. Hi, Don. How are you? Pretty good, Mike. Thank you for taking my call. Sure. Uh, I, I would like to know, do you do they have a product, a fertilizer for arborvitae trees? I was told that they don't have any. Well, not specifically for that, but arborvitaes are evergreen, so anything that's an acid-based fertilizer is going to be fine for them. I see. So... I need a fertilizer that has an acid-based fertilizer. Right, exactly. So, like, okay. Now, uh, I got a couple of brown spots in my, but near the bottom of my arborvitae. Does it need more sunlight or to well, bring it back to beauty of the tree to help build it? Well, anything that's brown on an arborvitae is not going to green up, regardless of what happens. Oh. Weather-wise, you know, moisture-wise, fertilizer-wise. So you're not doing the fertilizing to try to bring that back because you're just wasting your time and energy and money. Oh, I see. So anything that's brown, just go ahead and cut it out. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, now, uh, I I saw a plant that I like. It's like a cabbage head plant. Um, uh and it opens up. It's a perennial plant. Does it last very long? I don't know the name of it. I saw it on a commercial uh, ground. Hmm. It's like a cabbage with, that opens up. You know, it just bursts open and lut, lut. Yeah, I wouldn't open. think that would, you know, it's a little tough to try to guess what that would be. But uh, Okay, I'll find out. Okay. All right, then, Mike. Uh Thanks for taking my call. Sure. My pleasure. Right. And now let's go over to Dennis's yard. Hi, Dennis. Mike, how are you? Good. Okay, I'm going to probably have a ridiculous question. I live in High Ridge, 
and it's nothing to see 12 to 15 deer grazing in my front yard daily. <laughs> the holly bushes are gone. As they're, they're finished grazing, they leave <clears throat> droppings all over the yard. Right. Each week, I need to clean the tires on my lawnmower. Oh, my. And it's becoming rather a nuisance. Uh, I've used the Red Rider BB gun to try and help them find other grazing spots. And that's only a temporary situation. What I'd like to do, I can't. But anyway, is there such a thing as something I could put in my spreader that I use to fertilize and spread it all over my lawn? And when they come over to sniff the lawn, instead of grazing, they find the odor or something like that distractive and move on and find a different spot to graze instead of my yard? Uh, probably not. <laughs> There's nothing you're going to be able to spread on the ground that's going to, you know, it's, you know, what you might, I don't know how many, you know, how much space you have and everything else, but, uh, I mean. probably about an acre as far as the oh, grass is concerned. Yeah, so there's probably nothing you're going to be able to do other than selling your home and moving to a different location. <laughs> yeah. How much is AstroTurf? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, once, you know, once those droppings, they, I mean, that's what brings them back, back and back and back and back is uh, they smell that and they, you know, that's how they mark the areas that are, let's say, have good plants to eat. <laughs> Yeah, I'm getting I, I'm getting more uprooted holes in the lawn daily. I mean, you can, uh, you know, on the ground, there's just not too much. The repellents and stuff work, and let's say bars of Irish Spring soap work on shrubs and trees, but on the ground, there's not too much. One person said, "Well, you could try cayenne pepper, but I don't know if that would ruin the grass." Yeah, <laughs> I don't think it'd ruin it, but it, can you imagine how much cayenne pepper it would take? And then it rained, and then there it goes. It's gone. Yeah, I understand. Okay, again, I thought it was a ridiculous question, but I thought I'd ask. Yeah, it never hurts. <laughs> you have and, a safe Yep. And now let's head over to Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Hey, good morning, Mike. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I have one question about some two new trees that I just planted. I planted two Autumn Glory maple trees mm -hmm. a couple days ago. They were in five-gallon containers. We did the proper Mike Miller method of planting them. They do have, obviously, some branches that are too low to the ground as the trees mature. I just wondered if it was okay to trim a few of those off now or if it's best to wait until spring. No, you can do it now. Okay. As long as the foliage is falling off, then go ahead and, and prune them. And just uh, if you're pruning them back to another branch or back to the trunk, just leave a very short, very, very short stub, like a okay. quarter inch or so. Okay. I'll do that. Yeah, they're not very big around, obviously, because right. the trees aren't very tall yet. Right. So, okay, when the leaves are coming off, which they're starting to do, it's okay to do that. Yes. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Yeah, my pleasure. And now let's go over to Dale's yard. Hi, Dale. Good morning, Mike. Good morning. Uh, i got a quick question for you. I've had this uh five-leaf viney item that's got thorns. I think it might be Virginia creeper that's been taking over in my one area of my landscape. Is there anything besides Roundup, or should I just go ahead and go with Roundup and paint it on there to try to get rid of it? I'd probably do that. 
And again, it's really getting near the end of the season for the effectiveness. But if you want to go ahead and do it, it could diminish it somewhat. But just plan on doing it again in the springtime when the new the new growth begins. Okay, perfect. Appreciate your assistance. Yeah, my pleasure. And let's see, Gwen, how are you today? I'm doing just fine, Mike. How are you? Very good. I was wondering, when is the proper time to trim Rose of Sharon and um, the Limelight Hydrangeas? Basically, since they're both summer bloomers, uh, anytime before the new growth begins in the springtime. So you could do it from this point forward all the way up until spring and the new growth, new growth meaning even... The, it's not going to be the flower buds that are going to come out. It's going to be the leaves that come out first. But do right. it before that because it starts setting the flower buds at the same time the leaves are growing, you know, coming out from the winter time. Okay, so it's not too early to do it now then. No. That's all I needed. And I hope Great. you enjoy this absolutely beautiful fall day. Absolutely, it is spectacular. Thank you, Mike. Yep. And now let's see. Where should we go? Uh, let's go to Glenn's yard. Hi, Glenn. Hey, Mike. Good morning. Good morning. I heard you. Uh, I heard you speak about the one to two inches of mulch on perennials and three to four on shrubs. Right. Uh, my question is, what? Wh- how about the timing of it to apply? Uh, basically, once you know, once the weather, you don't want to do it going into summertime because it. It creates heat, and then the heat is not good. So this would be the ideal time from this point all the way through wintertime through uh, early spring. Okay, so putting the, the garden beds to rest for the the winter, we can do it now. Won't that keep the, um, the soil kind of warm for a while? Well, not warm in an adverse you know, circumstance. So, yes, it will keep it warm, but that just, you know, activates any kind of plant growth that, might, you know, might be there. So if you're trying to use it for weed control, it's not going to make that much difference because, I mean, the day length is getting shorter. So I would say you could go ahead and do it. Perfect. Thanks for your help. That's what I needed. My pleasure. And now let's go over to George's yard. Hi, George. Hi there. Hi. I was wondering, I just put down fertilizer uh, for the winterizer, and then uh, my spreader didn't spread pretty evenly. I was wondering what type of spreader you think is best is number one. And number two, when should I uh, fertilize next? And also I got I noticed I got a little bit of clover. When do I spray for that? Those are my questions. Yeah, clover's not actively growing enough that any of the herbicides are going to kill it, so you're going to use a broadleaf weed killer for that. And it's probably going to take a couple applications to get rid of it. And as far as spreading goes, it's uh, personally, I like liquid fertilizers. So, you know, with a hose end attachment type thing as opposed to the granular type. But that's, you know, just my own thing. Because the, the disc, disc spreader as opposed to just a drop spreader, I think it's going to be a better one than just a drop spreader. Okay. And when do I fertilize next? Uh, you're getting kind of even, I'm assuming you're doing this on a cool season lawn circumstance. That's correct. 
And, I just did winterizer today. Yeah, so I would say probably you don't need to do any more this year. Okay. So next spring in March? Yeah. All right. Thank you. Yep. My pl- And, again, it's, you know, to put a calendar date on it, it's a little bit tough because we don't know what the weather's going to be, but uh, March would be a good, t- you know, any time but t- after Valentine's Day, before mid-March, you could do the first application of uh, fertilizer for your cool season lawns. And 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Let's head over to Rob's yard. Hi, Rob. Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. I, I got two quick questions. Um, I noticed about the last five years, five or six years, um, in my front yard only, that I would start getting these brown patches towards the tail end of August. And I would get my lawn tractor out and I put my dethatcher on, dethatch the yard real good and get it all up and put new seed down and um, cover it with the uh, compost, uh, the black gold, and get the grass growing again. This would happen every year. And somebody told me that it's possible that I have a fungus. Um, so my question, first question is, is this something that I can uh, go to a box store and buy myself and apply in the spring? Or am I better off uh, contracting with a lawn service? Why, well, you know, my I, second, oh, go, go ahead. And, and my second question is, I'm going to be planting some uh, Golden Globe Arborvitaes today. Um, do I backfill it with just regular compost and, and soil mix and apply a root stimulator? Yeah, you can certainly do that if you want to. And okay. as far and as, you know, the fungus circumstance, depends upon what the fungus is, but, uh, you know, if you've had a you're reoccurring and reoccurring and reoccurring, you can get an applet, you know, get a, fun, you know, basically a fungicide. I would uh, go to your favorite garden center and talk to them about what fun, you know, fungicide they'd recommend, or I would go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website and, you know, see what varieties of fungicides they'd recommend for lawn circumstances. Okay, because every year, I mean, the, the yard was just immaculate. Uh and then, like I said, in August, I could almost set my watch by it. I'd start getting these little brown patches, and right. it was only in the front yard. And that, you know, you just got lucky that you're not spreading it around into the backyard because, I mean, even mower blades or anything like that, the bottom of your shoes, pets, anything can spread the fungus. So just, you know, you're just lucky that it hasn't been spread, you know, been spread in more locations. Yeah. And then I, I August— yeah, August the humidity is the highest, and that's when the you know the fungus circumstance is going to be the worst as far as you know starting. Yeah, because once that fungus would start, then I'd start getting a lot of that water grass that would creep up and right. It, I mean, it just went from beautiful to you know not so much in you know in in a week. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, so. that's. I mean, the nutgrass, too, I mean, you have to have a special herbicide to kill that stuff off. So just keep... Right, right. Yeah, I didn't have so much of the nutgrass, but just the watergrass and everything. But okay. it's like 
So, okay, I'll, I'll check with the uh, – I'm here now, and I'll, I'll check with them and see what uh, – but as far as planting the arborvitaes, I can just kind of put a mixture of topsoil and compost together, get it planted, and then put a uh, root stimulator down. Yeah, root stimulator, you know, you don't have to necessarily do that, but uh, you can do that. And just realize, you know, three times the diameter of the root ball and only 80% is deep, so the top of the root ball is above the surrounding ground. And now let's go over to Steve's yard. Hi, Steve. Hey, Mike. It's Steve Katsinas. Hi. Hey, I was calling to, uh, um, and hang on for one second. I'm going to step to someplace that's a little less noisy. So I was calling about that guy down in High Ridge and the deer problem he's uh-huh. got. So I don't know if he's ever thought about this, and I don't know what your opinion about um, <laughs> these devices are. But a friend of mine that... Uh, lives across the street from a nature preserve, uh, has a real problem with um, deer that she's got basically a deer path that goes on her acreage. And the deer walk across in certain areas to get over to the nature preserve. Sure. And she's used these sonic, solar-powered sonic devices that emit a high-pitched noise. And she's been able to deter the deer from using that pass to get across the street to the nature preserve. Oh, really? And, yeah. And I mean, and I've, I've researched it just a tad. And so I can't, and I, but I've never, obviously I don't have the need to worry about deer where I live, <laughs> but, um, but it, she's been really happy with it. And um, because it, it, the only problem is that that guy's probably got dogs too, and you know it's all that high pitched frequency that's going to maybe annoy the other animals that are around. But right. maybe if he can figure out if there's a, a specific path or place that they enter his property, and um, and place them strategically, he may be able to deter them. And right. it's worth it's maybe an idea that's worth researching because the little bit of look that look see that I did on the internet, it was kind of like, well, you know, it's like everything you read on the internet. Some people say that's the best thing since sliced bread and the others are like, well, it doesn't really work, but you know, it's an, maybe it's an option that guy could explore. Yeah. That, I mean, that makes good sense because I mean, that's with anything to realize that uh, certain things are going to work much better in certain individual circumstances, situations, settings, then something, you know, then one that's not exactly the same. So it's, you know, it's you just take a chance, and especially, you know, in this region with our weather and everything else, you know, and the wildlife. So that's kind of interesting, you know. Well, thanks. And now let's go to Jan's yard. Hi, Jan. Hello, Jan. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Come 
Two more reps, two more. You deserve this ice cold reward. Medellin, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. It's one thing falling in love with a house, and quite another navigating the world of negotiating, mortgage lenders, and finding the budget that works best for you. Guidance from an agent who's a Realtor can make all the difference, because that's who we are. Realtors are members of the National Association of Realtors. Yes, Jan's gone, and let's see what's going on with Linda. Hi, Linda. Hi, Mike. Hi. Um, I had a suggestion, too, for the guy I think he was talking about in lawn, and um, he might consider using maybe like this previous caller was saying, if there's a certain path where they come in, is uh, granular malargonite mm. that he could put down with a spreader. That's not real expensive. I don't think it's as much as a fertilizer, but you, know, you can put that down with a spreader. And I know I don't have a severe deer problem here, but um, I know that other people have had great success with that. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the smell of it. You know, right. it isn't good. It's, I think it's made from <laughs> garbage or whatever, but uh, the deer don't like it. So my garden club planted a community garden down at Cliff Cave Park, and we used a granular, I think it was bonite, deer deterrent, and Irish spring soap, and they did not bother one thing, which is a miracle. Right. <laughs> so, there's a lot of Irish spring soap involved, though, for sure. Yes. <laughs> and deer-resistant plants. That's a good idea, too. So, anyway, have a wonderful day and happy fall. Well, thanks. And thanks to you. And, Cheryl, can you do it kind of quick? Yes, I can do it pretty quick. Okay. I was just wondering, um, when is the best time to prune an Annabelle hydrangea, and how far down do I do it? And my second thing is, if I can only afford to do... Um, Mulch once a year, would it be fall or spring? I would probably do it uh, for the hydrangea. Is that what you're talking about specifically as far as the mulch? No, that's just Just across all the Just in general? Yeah. Uh, With the hydrangea, I would say you don't need to prune them at all. So I would skip that. And as far as putting the mulch down, I would probably, my tendency would be to put it down in the fall and then just leave it until the following fall. Okay. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Yep. And that way it'll just sort of melt down, enrich your soil, add nutrients to the soil, and then revive it again with another application in the fall. So this is a time of year where spend some time. Tracy and I went to... Drove around in Forest Park the other day. I mean, some of the color, even in Forest Park, was like, wow, it is really nice. So, get, you know, take the opportunity to get out there and enjoy the weather and enjoy the fall color. So, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, I will see you next week. And I will sing a lullaby. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You said my world on and podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months.